Hey guys, Jason Davis here. Uh, with everything that's going on out there in culture, in the school system, especially the public school system, right? And drag shows and everything in between, our kids are under attack daily. And that's why I wanted to tell you today about the Tuttle Twins books. Tuttle Twins is really, it's the only books uh, that I know of for kids that really help them develop critical thinking skills about real world concepts, economies, finance, government, freedom, liberty, the free market, how to be self-reliant and outside the system. Right now, we just all have to recognize the world's full of companies and people and politicians that want to expose and influence our kids and in ideas that we don't support. And so that includes school teachers, unfortunately. So Tuttle Twins empowers parents. I encourage you to check them out at TuttleTwins.com or if you go to my website at DontTreadOnLiberty.com and go to Freedom Partners under Tuttle Twins, there is a special offer for you. So DontTreadOnLiberty.com under Freedom Partners. Check out the Tuttle Twins and we do have a special offer for you. Well, let's get back to the show. I hope you enjoy this week. God bless. Fighting back against the left's nonstop attacks on liberty, freedom, and America. America. This is Don't Tread on Liberty. Jason Davis is on the air. Welcome back to Don't Tread on Liberty. Thank you for being here. And with Christmas right around the corner, we're going to do something a little bit different today. Uh, I want to talk to a guy who uh, has might have a pretty interesting perspective on a lot of things that are going on. He's the host of the America for God podcast at AmericaForGod.com. He's also an entrepreneur and a Navy veteran. Uh, Mr. Daniel Gulo is here. Daniel, how are you? Fantastic. Thanks for having me on the show, Jason. Yeah, thanks for being here. You know, I was just thinking uh, a couple of minutes before we got on this call, I should rename this show. Um, there's like three Daniels that come on this show. <laughs> um, so I'm going to call it the Dan show or something like that. <laughs> anyway, before we get into this too much, um, I wanted to ask you about America for God. So I'm pretty sure that we both would probably agree that God definitely needs to be more of a focus in our society just in general. But for you specifically, what prompted you to start this podcast? Yeah, so I'm very strong in my faith and I have been for a long time. And, um, you know, basically companies are are telling people, bring your full self to work. And over the years, I kind of didn't want to do that. I didn't want to share anything from my personal life in the work environment until it, about the Obama industry, um, administration, you know, people were, were starting to come out as gay and, and all that kind of stuff and, you know, talking up those things at work. And with me being a devout Christian, it, it was kind of like making me feel uncomfortable. And so I started saying, well, if I don't, if I don't speak up and share who I am, um, you know, maybe people will think I'm supporting this, right? And so I started saying, well, you know, I don't agree with that, right? I don't, I don't believe that's, um, you know, appropriate, and um, it's against my beliefs, and so on. And I don't really, I don't really come out and say that, but in in those specific terms. But I will share with people that I'm a devout Christian, a fundamentalist, and that I believe in the Bible and the inerrancy of the scriptures, and and so on. So it kind of began with me, you know, sharing God at work and being very open about it. And also what I started to realize is that people are asking for tolerance. They're saying, oh, you should be more tolerant. We need to tolerate 
you know, be tolerant of everyone and blah, blah, blah. And I started also to realize that they're not really asking for tolerance, right? They don't want you to just stop at tolerance. They want full-blown support. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, and I'm not down with that, right? I'm like, as, a, as an American and, a, and even just as a Christian, it's, it's kind of like people should be live and let live. And, um, you know, your, your circumstances are between you and God. And, you know, if you, on your deathbed, you're going to have to reconcile that. And and even beyond, you're, you're going to judgment. Everybody's going to judgment. So I'm not going to get into your sins or anybody else's sins. Uh, I'm going to be focused on my own sins. At the same time, though, I'm not, you know, I, I use the analogy of a court case, right? You know, people say, you shouldn't judge me. You shouldn't judge that person. Well, I'm not the judge. I'm, I'm more like the bailiff, right? <laughs> or I'm the cop. I, I mean, I could tell you what the law says. I'm not going to be the one that judges you. Um, but but I, I need to tell you what the law is, because if you're not aware of the law, then, um, then you have a problem, right? Mm-hmm. And you said something pretty interesting there. You said, as it relates to as an American or as a Christian, I feel like they're trying to change what it means to be an American by having all of these other things that you're talking about become very permissive and totally acceptable. And, you know, at the same time, make the traditional minded people feel like they're the ones that should be ostracized. So cancel culture is one part of that. And that's something that you've had some experience with, like as have I, I know that, you know, you had some problems with LinkedIn and all of that. And, you know, you've been able to since restore your, your presence with them online. But for people that don't know, can you kind of just walk us through the whole thing with LinkedIn, every step of that whole process, everything they did, how you did it, how you were able to get your profile back and all of that. Yeah, sure. So dovetailing on what I was saying before about bringing your full self to work, I started posting on LinkedIn um, and sharing God and you know conservative views and news and, and so forth on LinkedIn. Um, and I found that you know, there's actually a lot of conservatives out there on LinkedIn. And once I started being more vocal, you know, it was kind of like the emperor's new clothes, right? I'm that kid that says, hey, he's not wearing any clothes. And then suddenly everyone's like, hey, he's right. <laughs> right. So I, I was kind of the tip of the spear, you know, out there being the vanguard and sharing things, which made pe- other people feel more comfortable. And this is going back the last, you know, five, six years. But up until 2019, um, well, actually 2016, I was very vocal about, you know, voting for Trump and, and being a supporter of his versus Hillary and etc. Uh, and that was okay. It seemed like I wasn't drawing any heavy fire or anything from the analysts at LinkedIn until 2019 when um, the Mueller report finally came out in like March. And at that time, I, you know, everybody was waiting around to see what it would say. And there was numerous people across the government space and other celebrities and so forth that were calling for Trump to be impeached and Trump to be indicted and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and so the Mueller report came out and it was a big nothing burger. And I said, okay, so now can we have, you know, a public execution of these traitors who have been, you know, falsely accusing the president uh, for all these, for all these years, for all these months, um, in accordance with, you know, 18 USC 2381, you know, uh, 
traders should be hung or fined at least a hundred or ten thousand dollars. And so that was the trigger for the LinkedIn analysts. They suspended my account. Um, I went back and forth with them for, I don't know, probably a month and they wouldn't budge. So I said, you know, what's, what's the problem? This is the law, right? I'm quoting what the constitution says and they just wouldn't, they wouldn't, um, budge at all. And in fact, coming out of that event, the secret service came to my house and um, <laughs> because, because the, the list of people that I named in my list of traders who should face public execution um, was like President Obama and a bunch of other people. And, um, and you know, I never, I never meant to, to, to do anything radical or off book. What I meant was we should follow due process and have these people tried. And, you know, if they're all found guilty of treason, then they should be executed like the law says. That's what my intent was. So I explained all this to the Secret Service people and they're like, oh, yeah, you're cool. You're just exercising your First Amendment right to free speech and, and giving your opinion on what the law, you know, your interpretation of the law. So that went away. So that was the first time I was suspended on LinkedIn was coming out of that event. And then, you know, I, I they wouldn't give me my account back. So I started a new account. And when I lost that first account, I had like 25,000 connections on LinkedIn. So I had to start all over from scratch. And then several times this year, actually about six times this year, I've been suspended for sharing various different news posts. And I didn't even make a comment or anything on the news post. All I would do is share a URL to, you know, an external third party news site like Gateway Pundit or, you know, any of the others like the Dirt and Dispatch, those kinds of things. And they were telling me that I was posting false content. And I'm like, what? I'm like, first of all, the articles that I've linked to, I didn't even, you know, make any statement. All I did was link to an article, you know, out of interest to generate discussion and, and, you know, discourse, respectful discourse uh, by way of saying, hey, what do you guys think about this article? I didn't give my own opinion. I didn't say whether it was true or false. I just said, here's an article. Um, and then, But then when you look at those articles, people like Jim Hoff and so on, they provide um, sources, right? They're citing sources. They're not just making bogus claims. So anything they claim or, you know, put forth as fact is supported with sources. Anything else is purely opinion, right? It's editorial. So you can't, you can't claim that somebody's editorial is false content. It's their opinion. You know, your opinion can't be false because it's your opinion. It's subjective. So going back and forth with the analysts at LinkedIn, you know, I, I kept going, I, I kept pressuring them to say, you know, what sites are you using to fact check? What part of that post is is specifically is false content in your estimation? And then I also tied it back to the LinkedIn commu professional community standards and all that kind of stuff, because they're saying, well, you should abide by these. I'm like, how can I abide by them if you're not giving me specifics? Those standards are written so vaguely that they're open for interpretation. And furthermore, I think you're actually being personal, personally biased. So I would like to speak to your superior, your supervisor, your manager, or whomever, because I'm telling you that I'm happy to remove whatever posts go against your community guidelines if you just would tell me what those guidelines are and how it was offending or breaking those, right? But they never did tell me. They never said this This part of this post is exactly what was wrong. They just said, you're, you're posting false content and um, you're suspended and we're not, we're not going to give you your account back. That's the end of it. The whole thing is just ridiculous because if they're a platform as they claim and they have liability protection, then they should not be able to editorialize anyway. So that's, that's number one. What they're doing is actually 
in my opinion, illegal. But the second thing is, as you say, I mean, the same thing with the news article. I give it to 10 people. They're going to interpret it 10 different ways, right? So how did you go from there? How did you end up getting the account back? Well, so I I finally got somebody who um, I was able to, to kind of break down by saying you're you're being biased, you're being personally biased, and that bias is um, impacting your judgment in this scenario. And I need to talk to somebody, you know, like a supervisor or manager. And then when that person, you know, they did actually put me in touch with somebody who was above them, um, supposedly. It could have just been anybody. I don't know because they won't tell you their name or uh, their position, or and they won't say, you know, here's my supervisor. But they gave they brought somebody else into the situation, and I said, hey, look, I, I would love to follow your community standards, okay? But from my perspective, all I did was share a news article, and I made no statement of fact. I made no claim to its truth or or you know its false nature. How is that posting false content? And, and what about it? What exactly about it is false? Uh, and I said, I, I've noticed a, a trend, a pattern here that anytime I post a Gateway Pundit article, which I think are hilarious because sometimes the headlines are like totally over the top and hyperbole. Um, but I said, you know, if, you, if you're telling me that I'm not allowed to post Gateway Pundit articles on your website, why don't you just explicitly state that and then I won't do that. If Whatever you tell me I should or shouldn't do, it's your platform. I'll, I'll obey your rules, but I, you know, you can't be, keep pointing back to the community standards because they're not specific enough, obviously. It's like, it's, it, I told them, I, I'm like, it's like a cop saying, you can't speed. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling you over for speeding when there's no speed limit posted, right? Well, you should know, you should know that you're speeding. Well, how am I supposed to, there's no objective standard. How am I supposed to gauge whether I'm speeding or not when you're not telling me what speed limit is? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And they, so they finally relented, gave you your, your uh, profile back. Exactly. And, and since then I said, you know what, look, I've been suspended seven times in 18 months. I've kind of done my bit to make my point about free speech on LinkedIn. Um, And it got to the point where it was, impacting my um, revenue because I do, I teach certification courses for Scrum, you know, certified Scrum master, certified Scrum product owner, and a few others. And one of the ways I use to advertise my classes is through LinkedIn because it's all people looking for uh, ways to um, grow in their career path and knowledge and so on. So that cut into my revenue. I, I used to sell about a ticket a day on average, um, through LinkedIn and a ticket a day is, you know, a ticket is about a thousand bucks. So over the course of being suspended for over 50 days, um, it, it lost me about $50,000 almost. Jeez. And you, I think at one time you were looking into legal recourse against them uh, with a bunch of other people, I think through the red pill project. Do you, is that still going forward or do you know what's happening? Um, well, you know, to be honest with you, Jason, I haven't heard anything back. I, I submitted all my, you know, my narrative of what happened and um, the entire thread of communication with LinkedIn um, and a few other details that they were asking for. Because I, I don't care. I have nothing to hide. You know, there's nothing sensitive in there. 
Mm-hmm. So I'll share it to whomever. Um, and I know that there was at least 100 other people, conservatives, that were um, suspended from LinkedIn who were also trying to form a class to do a class action lawsuit against LinkedIn. Uh, but I haven't heard anything lately about it. In the- and so going back to what you were saying earlier, when you started to speak your mind at work, as you say, did you did you get any kind of pushback from doing that? Um, not really. I mean, I, I was very mindful of, um, and, you know, using emotional intelligence and uh, being empathetic, um, you know, just sharing, hey, how's it going? Yeah, I'm going to church this weekend. Or, or people would say, how was your weekend? Oh, great. You know, I went to church and we did this and blah, 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 blah. I would share. Whereas, you know, most people would not say anything. Oh, gosh, I better not tell them I went to church. <laughs> Yeah. I better not tell them I, I took my kids to youth group or that we were playing games or anything because they might think I'm trying to bash them over the head with my Christianity. But I just started sharing that stuff openly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's great. And it's good that you didn't have any pushback because a lot of people do. So lots of other issues going on. Um, but this one on cancel culture and just kind of almost censoring free speech, as you said, uh, is pretty concerning. And, you know, I was kind of thinking about it in a lot of ways, trying to rewrite history, trying to destroy traditions. You know, COVID plays into this a lot, trying to keep people locked in and, and have churches shut down so that, you know, you get out of your routine or, or habit of going to church. And I mean, all of this, and now with Biden coming in, as it looks like it will happen, you know, he's getting a lot of push to limit conservatives and Christians and things like that going forward. So there's a lot of parallels to, um, you know, Jesus's day here where people are just trying to talk about Jesus and anyone who did was, you know, ostracized and executed. So, I mean, this is kind of the beginning of something that I don't like very much. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's really odd because, well, first of all, I don't, I don't think it's over yet. I mean, you get, people can call me crazy or whatever, but um, I'm still praying for a miracle. I'm still hoping that um, the last few opportunities or, or repar- or um, I don't want to say reparations, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the last few um, avenues of, of ex- exploration for, for the Trump campaign are still there. Um, and, and off, you know, a miracle is what happens when you, you're just about to give up hope and it seems very unlikely that something's going to happen. I mean, and it happens. That's what a miracle is, right? It's the definition of a miracle. So, um, but to your point, if, you know, if Biden does uh, become president and, you know, assumes office, it's really odd because he himself classifies himself as a, a Christian. He's Catholic. And I know many Catholics that are like, they disavow Joe Biden. You know, they're like, he's not, he's not really a Catholic. I mean, he's Catholic in name only. He, don't, don't, uh, don't paint us with that wide brush. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I mean, he's walked away from, you know, the abortion thing. He's all for it now. Whereas, you know, in the past he was not, and, and most Catholics are strictly against abortion. Um, yes. so he's, I, I would agree. He's just that in name only, but he's not really a Catholic. <laughs> Right. Yeah. He's not a practicing devout Catholic that really adheres to it or anything. Uh, But getting back to the cancel culture uh, part of this, I wrote a paper called The Medium is the Massacre, fact-checking people into non-existence. And it talks about how specifically LinkedIn, you know, social media is is a part of our fabric now 
as human beings, right? It's It would be just as bad as taking somebody's telephone away like 20 or 30 years ago, you know, saying you, you're not allowed to communicate because you're you're sharing ideas that are harmful or we don't agree with. And the same is true with Christianity, right? We need, for in order for us to survive as a nation, we need a revival. We need to turn back to God. We need to seek his face. Um, I will bless a nation who blesses me. Right. And, and so really, if we want a future as, as a country, we need to start looking to God again, because that's when we were seeking God, when we were keeping God in, in the center of the picture, that's when we were prosperous as a nation. That's when we were great in the past. And now we've turned away from that. We've, we, we've put our confidence and trust in idols we we worship people like celebrities sports stars hollywood stars music stars uh we've each person is also making themselves the king in the kingdom of me right so everyone's like oh it's all about me and and i'm the one that matters most and you know god's okay as long as he fits my agenda but as soon as I'm challenged to, you know, get right with God or follow some altruistic uh, principles of, of life, then it's, it's hogwash, right? It's not, you know, it doesn't work for me anymore. And that's exactly what the church of Satan is all about. It's all about glorifying self and ego and you're the most important thing in this universe. Whereas with Christianity, the focus is solely on Christ. And I think that's where we need to go, which is why I launched America for God. Now, the churches are not completely innocent in all of this either. Many of the mainstream evangelical churches have allowed this social justice message to, you know, incorporate or sneak into the church and it's being preached on a regular basis. Uh, very few churches, as you noticed, uh, stood up against these COVID lockdowns, even when they themselves are shut down and are, are probably financially being threatened and they're still unwilling to stand up against it. So, and, and you see the Pope is now endorsing and the head of the Baptist church is endorsing taking this vaccine uh, for the good of your fellow man. So I got to say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure that these churches as a whole are ready for what is probably coming. I, I would agree with you, Jason. Also, so, um, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I wasn't really happy with, I, I'm Presbyterian. And so in the Presbyterian church, we have a, a council of elders within the church that makes decisions um, about church policy and so forth. And then usually if the pastor is, is a full-time head pastor, then they're also on the, they're also an elder on the council of elders. And for my church, I really wasn't happy with them just you know, complying with everything that Delaware, because we're, my church is in Delaware, even though I live in Pennsylvania, they, they went ahead and just, you know, followed everything that the, the uh, state was saying. Um, and they, we weren't shut down. Um, that's, I mean, Delaware hasn't been shutting down churches like they have been in like Los Angeles, for instance, with John MacArthur's church. They're not saying you can't meet but they are saying that you need to social distance and wear masks and all that kind of stuff. And I was, I was a little disappointed. I had hoped that they would have said, you know, no, we're not going to do this. If people want to wear a mask, they can wear a mask. If they want to social distance, they can social distance. Uh, but we're not going to impose that on everyone. Um, I, had, I had hoped or expected them to take more of a stand. Um, so you're right. I don't think, I don't think, um, I think, 
the church, especially evangelicals, have a hand in this. You know, it's like, oh, I'll, I'll stand up for God and I'll put my life on the line. Oh, but I, oh, that's okay. I'll wear the mask. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they talk talk a good talk, but you know, when it come, when the rubber hits the road, I don't. I'm not sure anyone's really willing to sacrifice. I mean, I think about the disciples, right? Every single one of the followers of Jesus, the disciples, was killed in a, a horrible way. I mean, some of them were also crucified, um, you know, boiled, boiled to death and all kinds of other things just for saying they believe in Christ. And, and here we are, we won't take a stand against um, a, a pandemic that has been blown out of proportion and is clearly using, being used to control people. Yeah, there's absolutely no doubt. Everything that's happening is being pushed by, you know, globalists. This COVID has given them the perfect way to manipulate and control the populace uh, out of fear. And so not only is everything that's being done unconstitutional, not only does it take your freedom away, but no one is realizing that that's what happen- is happening because they're just too concerned or too afraid of a virus that 99.9% of people recover from. So everything that's coming, um, this vaccine, and all the controversy surrounding that. Um, You've heard about the Great Reset, you know, World Economic Forum's plan. I mean, all of these things are coming together. A big part of it is stifling the First Amendment and obviously, um, you know, religious conservatives because that's going to be a a big thing that stands in their way if these churches are awake to it and it doesn't seem that they are. So I'm pretty concerned. I mean, when you look at all of those kind of global issues through this sort of lens, um, you know, what do you think God is saying to us? Well, I, I, I'd be lying if I said I knew what his will was in all of this. And, and part of his will may be that we don't know what's going on. And, and pr- I pray about it all the time. I pray about it daily, nonstop, you know, unceasingly. Um, and it could be that, you know, we're, we're in for some hard times. But you know what, Jason, no matter what happens, um, I'm confident in my salvation in Jesus. And, you know, whatever happens to me here on earth, it can never take that away. No, that's absolutely true. I've just been thinking, you know, God works through people, right? Like he does his work through his people. And I'm trying to do everything I can to follow that will. So you mentioned a gun shop. Um, Your buddy Joe Biden is going to be an all out assault on the Second Amendment. Are you worried? I'm I'm not at this point. Um, you know, I've I've become really good friend. It's funny. I have one year I have the Secret Service showing up my door. The next year I'm like really good friends with the ATF agent that um, you know, I've become good friends with him be, after he approved my FFL. I the people that are going to be executing or, you know, these um confiscation a, any possible confiscation warrants and stuff will be the sheriffs and i most of my friends i know in the sheriff's department and the police the state police and so on they're like nah won't happen i'm not going to do that i'm not going to go down a path that violates people's constitutional rights i hope you're right hopefully they can hold the senate in the runoff elections so that you know that can be some kind of stopgap daniel i appreciate you coming on i hope you have a merry christmas it's americaforgod.com thank you again yeah thank you jason it was great talking to you 
Thanks for listening to Don't Tread on Liberty with Jason Davis. Subscribe on Google Play, iTunes, or your favorite platform. For more Liberty news, check out www.donttreadonliberty.com and subscribe to the blog or join the conversation. 